We're going to talk about service today, a lifestyle of service. Last, uh, last week we talked about uh, being other-centered, that that's the foundation for, for a life of service, for living drenched through service. Uh, let's talk about the lifestyle of it. Would you stand with me? And let's read a passage from John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Father, I thank you for your word, and thank you for the life that's in your word. I thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that, takes, that makes us alive to your word. And I pray that you would do that, because we need you today. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus said, uh, I have set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. You call me teacher and Lord, rightly so. I've washed your feet as your teacher and Lord. Now you should wash one another's feet. Uh, we are being transformed into the image of Christ. And while God is the one who actually does the work, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. While he's the one who actually does the work, that, that doesn't mean that we have no role to play whatsoever because we actually do. Now the problem comes when we decide that we know how to do it and that we're able to do it. That uh, when we get in that mode, we're being transformed into the image of Simon Peter rather than into the image of Jesus Christ, as we'll talk about here in just a minute. But uh, Jesus 
is an example for us, and he says, you should follow my example. Uh, specifically, he says, we're to, fo- to follow this example. Now, I don't believe that he was literally talking about washing people's feet. Literalism can e- easily turn into legalism, and, and it doesn't always bring life. Uh, when, I was, when I first came back to the Lord, I was in my mid-20s, and one of my closest friends, probably my closest friend, uh, was not too happy about it because he wasn't interested in walking with the Lord. And now that I was, it was kind of messing up our thing, you know, uh, our, our, our lifestyle and the way things are going. And uh, we had discussions. We talked about things. And uh, I, I still, well, no, let me, let, me, let me just go here with it. One, time, one day he came to me and he said, do you, do you take the Bible literally? And I said, yeah, yeah, I take that, literally, absolutely. And he said, so when Jesus says that we're supposed to hunger and thirst after righteousness, does that mean that your belly's supposed to be empty and you got to have a dry throat uh, to get to desire righteousness? And I said, that's, that's stupid, Bruce. It wasn't Bruce Copel. His name was Bruce. So I said, that's, that's stupid, Bruce. You're, you're, just, you're just messing with me. He said, no, you said literal. You, you said literally that you, you take it. And I, I, oh, and I was mad at him. And I was mad at him for a couple of decades, actually. Uh, but I finally realized that the reason I was mad at him was because he was, he was you know, yeah, he was, he was being a jerk, but he was also right. Uh, and the problem with, uh, now, here's, here's what, I believe the Bible is truth. I believe it's God's truth. I believe it is the inspired word of God. I also believe that it uses metaphor and it uses poems and word pictures and things. The problem with going, well, now Jesus said that we're supposed to wash one another's feet is that you can take somebody's shoes and socks off and put some water on there and, and, and dry them off and then walk away and go, I'm done. I've done my job now. I have done my duty. And that's not what he meant at all. It, that, that wasn't what he meant. He meant, I have now served you, and you need to now begin to serve one another. That's what he's talking about. What I was going to say, Bruce, this, this guy, Bruce, he still hadn't come to the Lord, but man, he's just so, he's just so close. And not only that, his life, although in some areas it certainly doesn't, in other areas it looks a whole lot more like somebody who's following Jesus' example than some others. So anyway, he, he says, I've set you an example that you should do what I have done. Uh, Jesus was setting an example of what service looks like in the kingdom of God. Uh, the king, kingdom service and, and the whole kingdom structure and economy looks a, a whole lot different from the way it looks in the world. It's, a, it's an upside-down pyramid. It's a, it's a kingdom upside-down. In the world, you, uh, you work hard and you serve to get to the place where you're finally at the top of the pyramid, and, everybody, and then you don't have to work anymore. Everybody else serves you. That's not the way it goes in the kingdom. The higher up you get, the more you've got to serve. That's why Jesus, that's why Christ is at the very, the very bottom of it, because he's the one who's served us all. We get right down to it and gave the ultimate to do so. But then you would have 
leaders and, and disciples and people. And the truth of the matter is it does, there's not like these all categories. But, but the, the higher you go in leadership, the further down that, that pyramid you go. When, um, before I met Margaret, I, the church I was attending up in Hendersonville, there was a man speaking there one day. Uh, Kenneth Ware, I've mentioned him a few times. Some of you heard me talk about him. He was speaking one day, missionary to the French gypsies. Uh, and and, and he, uh, he had been in France so long, he sort of had that, you know, that French thing about him. You know, they can, they can say things in such a way that no one else in the world can. It just, yeah. Anyway, he, he, was, he, was, he was speaking, and, and the pastor had a phone. Okay, whatever. He had, he had a phone on the, on the platform behind the, behind the pulpit, and he was sitting there listening to him. And, and it wasn't like the phone. I mean, it wasn't like ring, ring, high as Gene there. But, I mean, it was a, it, you know, a light would come on, and, and he'd pick the phone up, and it was, you know, something going on either back in the booth or something that needed his attention in the church. Well, the light came on. The pastor picks the phone up, you know, and Brother Ware's preaching. He puts the phone down, and... And uh, the pastor gets up and walks off. And Brother Ware catches it out of the corner of his eye, and he stops. And he waits for him to come back. And when he finally came back, he turned around to him and said, The people can leave any time they want. I expect the pastor to stay with me. But that's really the way it is in the kingdom. I I love seeing you all here. I wish I saw more of you more often, quite frankly. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, you can come and go as you want. The elders, I expect to be here. They've got to help minister to people. The teachers, we expect to be here. They're they're leaders. They've got a commitment. That's the way it works in the kingdom of God. God doesn't look at things the way we look at things. Uh, So, the greatest among you will be your servant. How does this look? What are the parameters? What, What can we pull out of this passage? There's four quick things I want to pull out of this passage today. And the first one is that service in the kingdom of God comes from a position of strength. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And then he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a a basin, and began to wash his disciples' feet. That that word so uh, connects... The reason for something, the, the basis for something with what actually happened. And, the, and, and what the basis was, was the fact that Jesus realized God had put everything under his power. So now I serve. Now that everything is under my power, everything is under my control, that doesn't mean that I just sit back and push buttons and watch little minions run around and do things. That means now I serve. Now I can do that. Everybody's, Jesus' motivation was not, well, everybody's feet needs washing and nobody's washing their, well, the meal needed preparing as well. There were other things that needed doing, but, but Jesus, 
Jesus took a teaching moment here to do something as well. His motivation was the Father's will. And in order to truly do the Father's will, it requires strength that comes from him. We, we, uh, we take that verse, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And we use it when, we, when we're in a tough situation and we got something we got to deal with. Or, or we use it when, all right, I've got a, I've got a big goal that I want to reach. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's 24-7. It's in everything that we do. Christ Jesus strengthens us to be able to do those things that need to be done. We don't serve because we aren't able to do something more important. And in the, in, the, in the world's economy, that's often the way that we look at it. You know, well, you're not able to really do anything else, so you take out the trash. You're not able to really do anything else, so you can, you can clean the toilets. You know? that, no, uh-uh. That, that's, that's, not how, that's not how it works. God doesn't see things the way we do in determining what jobs are important. A number of years ago, quite a few years ago, I was directing a play, and I cast a gal in the play, and I gave her a pretty, pretty good role, pretty good, strong, supporting role. And then I asked another member of, her, of the family, well, her sister, I asked her to be the, uh, the house manager, uh, the person who takes care of the box office and all that stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, she said yes. And then she came back to me a week, a week later, the, the one that was going to be the house manager, and said, I'm not going to be able to do it. And I said, oh, really? Well, what, what happened? Well, she didn't really want to tell me. But I ended up discovering that what happened was a girl I had cast in the play went ballistic. She said, this is my show, and my sister's going to be, she's going to be in the, in the program and everything as well. And I went, whoa, wait a minute. Let me, let me explain something here. I had three gals I could cast in that role, and if I hadn't have had those three, I'd have found somebody. Do you know how hard it is to find a house manager? A good house manager? Somebody who is willing to do an essential, important job that nobody is going to clap for that nobody's going to come up and go wow that was wonderful I didn't know you could do that (laughs) oh my goodness well let's just suffice it to say she ended up being my house manager and the girl decided to stay in the show as well Uh, but God sees what is really important he, he, he sees what things really need to be done. If you're not serving out of confidence and strength and you don't have to feel like... Because sometimes we don't do jobs because we feel like we're... Because we don't have the confidence. It's not that we don't have the confidence that we can do it, but it's like, you know, I already feel so insecure. If somebody sees me doing that job, they'll know that I'm really not worth anything. Because that's a job anybody could do. And, and, and so if we don't serve from a position of strength and confidence, then we end up serving, uh, sometimes we serve to, to gain points, to get points, and, and that's not right. That's, that's the attitude of a hired hand, not a servant of God. Sometimes we serve out of a guilty conscience. You know, we did something wrong, we messed something up, and now we're trying to make it right. And the problem is, 
That's not what service was created to do. Service was not created to cleanse a guilty conscience. You know, it, it's, not a, it's not a balance it out thing. Uh, and and if, it, if we approach it that way, one of two things happens. Either, either we do enough stuff that we think, okay, I've made it right now. And we're wrong. We haven't done enough stuff to make it right. Or we never feel like we've made it right and we go through life in bondage to that guilt. Because service was not created to to take care of guilt. Repentance was created to take care of guilt. Blood of Jesus was created to take care of guilt. Service is a whole different thing. Or we'll serve to get some attaboys. Those of you who are old enough and cared about such things, you remember when, uh, uh, when Sally Field won an Oscar? And she, and she got up and made a speech. Those of you who aren't, aren't old enough, or, or, you know, she got up and made this, made this speech, and she, and she had the Oscar, and she just was going, you like me. You really like me. Uh, it was cute and pathetic at the same time. Uh, but that's often, the, that's often why we serve, is so that, you know, people will like us and recognize us and, and, and things like that. Jesus said, be careful. Don't, don't do your good stuff so that people will see it. Don't do your good stuff so that people will come up and, and, and pat you on the back and congratulate you. Because once they pat you on the back and congratulate you, you've had your pay. He says, do it just for the audience of one. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God is pleased by our service. We don't, we don't necessarily always see the results of his, of his being pleased, but we will. It's called faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. And so, you know, I, I can serve knowing because I believe that he sees it. I believe that he will reward it. I believe that nothing that is done in Christ is ever done in vain. By faith. So, comes from strength. Service, this is kind of a, a negative one, does not follow the way of Cain. And I pulled this out of this passage. The way of Cain is just simply a situation. You know, Cain brought a sacrifice. Abel brought a sacrifice. Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Cain's was rejected. The reason why Cain's was rejected was because it wasn't what God required. He required a blood sacrifice. Cain's sacrifice was a lot cleaner, looked a lot better, smelled a lot better, a lot more humane and, and, and all. But it was rejected because it was Cain's idea, not God's idea. Cain had a better idea. That's what it boils down to. So that's what's happening in this passage here. Jesus comes to Peter, and Peter says, uh, no, you, you'll never wash my feet. Now, think of the absurd, consider how absurd Peter's statement is here. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You alone have the words of eternal life. Where else could we possibly go? Lord. My God, I see what you're doing in everyone's life, and you want to do it in my life. No. I'm too, I'm too humble for this, Lord. 
I can't possibly let you do this. And of course, Jesus reminds him, oh, okay, well, if I can't work in your life, then you don't belong to me. And so after Peter's reminded of that, he jumps on the other side of the fence. Lord, not just my feet, my head and my hands as well. These guys, they just want their feet washed. I want the whole thing, God. And I don't know that Jesus ever did that. (laughs) But I know he thought it. I know he was tempted at times. Because the Bible says he is tempted in all ways. So we are. The Lord wants me to do this. Great. I'll do this and that and that and that and that and that and that too. Yeah. I'll do it all. God hasn't called us to busyness. God has not called us to do it. The devil will call you to busyness in a heartbeat. And he'll call you to good busyness just as quickly as he'll call you to bad busyness. I was, uh, I, I, I probably should have put it up here. Uh, I saw a cartoon this last week of a, of a sheep. It wasn't a real sheep. I mean, it's a cartoon. You know, it's a cartoon sheep. And the cartoon sheep was laying in a lounger and uh, had earphones on uh, and a laptop open. And uh, was, I, I think, watching television. And, uh, and, the, and the, the caption said, I wonder why I never hear anything from the shepherd anymore. God hasn't called us to, to do it all or to, to be busy. One of, the, one, of the, one of the people wash out of the ministry, I mean, people burn out in ministry so quickly. Uh, and, and so often, so frequently. And one of the reasons that they do is all the expectations that get put on them. And one of the lessons that you finally have to learn is, I have not been called to do everything. I need to find out what it is I've been called to do and, and do that. That's, that's what I need to do. So Jesus hasn't called, and also God has not called us to extremism. Extremism now, Jesus was a radical, but he wasn't an extremist. Jesus was radical in that he was totally sold out to whatever his father wanted him to do. But extremism takes it a different step. Extremism, though often embraced in the name of God, both our God and others, cuts God out of the equation. And it becomes our true north. Our, 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 our ideology, our, uh, th- this, this passion that we have for a certain way of thought, that becomes our true north, and we come into a situation, we go, I got that, you know, uh, and, and if I got it, God surely got it. Well, God may be somewhere else. You just, you know, but, if, but when we're extreme, we just immediately go there, like filings to a magnet. There it is. Peter said, you know, not just my feet, my head, my hands as well. Let's do all of this. And, and, and Jesus said, those who've had a bath need only to wash their hands. I, you know, I appreciate this. I, I don't know. I'm sure he didn't say I appreciate the sentiment, Peter, because quite frankly, I don't know that he did appreciate it. Because Peter's the only one who gave him any gruff. 
in either direction. No, yes, no, yes, no, well, let's do more, you know, just anything but what you're saying to do. I'll take it somewhere else. Jesus said, look, let's just do what I've I've decided to do here. Oh, you are clean. No, not every one of you. And though not every one of you, the third lesson here is that service flows to all. And the reason why he said not everyone was clean was because he, he knew. He knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not everyone was clean. And, and you know, we know who that was. That, was. that was Judas Iscariot who was there and who, uh, who was unclean. Uh, Matthew's account, when you combine it with John's, neither one of them comes right out and says it, puts it in such a way, because John doesn't actually talk about instituting the table. Uh, But it's pretty clear that Judas was not there for the table. Like I was saying, he, he left. So he didn't experience the table of grace, perhaps. Well... There's no point in speculating. However, uh, he was clearly there for his feet to be washed. He was absolutely there for that part of it. We tend to divide people in those who are worthy of being served and those who are not worthy of being served. And we are such terrible judges of such things. I mean, even if we could, even if we knew it's a bad idea to, to do that separating, but of, course, but of course we don't. When Jesus was here, uh, he hung out with some people who were unsavory, uh, and he, got, he caught a lot of grief from that. I say he caught it. Actually, his disciples did, because people don't come and go, well, why are you doing? No, they go to those around you and go, why is he doing? Yeah. That's, what, that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, but they came to his disciples and said, you know, why is he hanging out with people like this, but with these sinners and everything? When Jesus, when word finally got back to Jesus, he said, it's not the healthy ones who need a doctor. It's the sick. I have not come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the table of the Lord, there are times, I don't, I don't know that it's that way so much in this church, but I know that there are a lot of times when people don't partake of the table of the Lord because they go, well, I'm not worthy. This week, I'm, I'm not worthy. Hello? That's why it's there. Because you're not worthy and you need some grace right now in your life. And whenever, and if you find somebody that you go, well, they're not worthy of being served, well, they're probably the ones that need it the most. This last Wednesday night when uh, uh, Susan was doing the um, Corey Tinboom thing, uh, she did a great job and it was really good. And a lot of the stories, most of the stories I guess I already knew because I'd read the books, but the one that really hit me the most in the books and hit me the most there was uh, the situation with when Corey and her sister Betsy were were in the concentration camp and and the scene where they were watching one of the one of the guards beating a a mentally disabled person and uh, 
And, uh, and Corey said, oh, Betsy, when we get out, we've got to do something to help these people. Yeah. And Betsy turned to her and said, oh, you're right. If they can be taught to hate, they can be taught to love. Because Corey was talking about the ones being beaten, and Betsy was talking about the ones who were actually in the worst shape, who actually needed it the most. And so service is open to all. Service in the kingdom doesn't ask who is worthy. It doesn't ask what will others think. What will it cost me? It just just asks, what does God want? That's what it asks. And then fourth thing in this passage, service brings true blessing. Jesus says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you know them. Okay, good. Somebody's not hungry enough that that they've totally tuned out. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. If you do them. Uh, The series this year is about living drenched. And when we were doing Fiddler on the Roof, there was a a man in the cast. uh, uh, He's a Jewish man. And uh, uh, in, in the cast and some of us had on the t-shirts, the live drenched t-shirts, and he was going, uh, what does that mean? What, what is that? What, do you, what is that talking about? And of course, the, uh, the, the simplest answer is, it's always better, or I feel like it's always better, and I, I think most people would feel like it is, uh, to, to, to live wet and refreshed than to be dry and, and crusty and that you know Uh, but it actually goes a little deeper than that it goes back to the name the springhouse name the springhouse name comes from psalm 84 verses 5 through 7 blessed are those whose strength is in you whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of baca they make it a place of springs The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Uh, The psalm starts out with talking about the house of the Lord and and, and how those who dwell there are blessed and ever praising the Lord. But notice, the Bible is so consistent in the way it, it, it does things. Notice, their strength is not in themselves. Their strength is in God. They're coming from a position of strength. Their hearts are set on pilgrimage. Their hearts are set to follow that example that's out there. And as they pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, and you will. It's not just for the dirty, rotten sinners who are going to pass through the valley of weeping. Those whose strength is in the Lord. Those whose heart are, hearts are set on pilgrimage to follow the Lord. There are going to be times that they're going to pass through the valley of weeping. And you kind of go, well, why would they do that? Well, I'm getting ready to tell you why they would do that. They're going to dig some springs while they're there. How do you, how do you make a spring? No, you can't. 
See, there's a partnership involved here. God, God has created the spring. It's there, but somebody's got to uncover it. Somebody's get a, got, got to get down there and, and dig that thing out. And they don't just dig that spring out so that they can now build a house and go, I got a spring. No, they're on pilgrimage. They're, they're moving on through. There's, they're going to they're gonna dig it, and then they're going to go dig another one somewhere else. So it's not really for them. It's for somebody who's coming behind them. It's, it's for somebody else who's going to... Now, you know, they, I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, we need to all go, oh, let's go get... Let's go to Baca. Man, I love that place. Let's go weep some. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but God leads us and directs us, and, and sometimes we don't know why we're, why we're suffering. Why am I in this situation like that? He's got... So he needs somebody to, to uncover a spring. That's what's going on. It's called service. And those who do it are blessed. Even in that place, there's refreshing. They find refreshing. They find blessing. They create blessing for others because they serve. And as they, as they go towards Zion... The day will come when they will appear before God. And he who sees in secret will openly reward them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. You can be drenched if you'll do them. Would you stand with me? But those who are going to minister to people, pray with people, if you come down at this, this time. As I was saying earlier about the table of the Lord, the only one who didn't get to partake of the table of grace is the one who decided to leave and not be there. If you got, you know, if you, if you have a need, if you have uh, something that's facing you in your life, uh, something's bigger than you, and most things are, uh, Come, God's grace is here. And if you don't know Christ, we'd love to introduce you to him. This is, this is a free life. This is, this is a life of, free, of freedom. It's a life of, of, it's a drenched life. It's a drenched life. So if you don't need to come, did you want to say something, brother? Okay. Are you going to grab a microphone? Okay. Let me, Wayne's going to tag here for a second. Pastor knows that Psalm 84 is just huge in my life, but so I've, I've done some digging there. The Valley of Baca, the reason the valley was called the Valley of Baca, Baca means tears. The kinds of trees that grew in this literal valley, uh, what happened is the way the sap came up in the tree, it went out onto the leaves, and when light hit the leaves, the trees looked like they were crying. Hence, the Valley of Baca, the Valley of Tears. What I'm piggybacking here is, the valley looked like a Valley of Tears, but it wasn't a Valley of Tears. It was a valley waiting to have springs opened up. 
and something came up in my spirit in terms of what Barbie shared about the offering. What you don't do is you don't back up in times of difficulty. You move on pilgrimage. We're called from strength to strength, from glory to glory. So when you get stuck, whatever the sticking place is, you just find a way to press through that in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Pastor. If you don't need to come forward, worship with us. Help uncover a spring for somebody. <laughs> Create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can speak to them and can move in their lives.
guys. Raise your hand. We give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world to save us, to redeem us, to be an example for us. May you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to clearly see that example. May you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to follow that example. May your life be drenched through Jesus Christ our Lord.